0: hey and welcome to another episode of the bright sweats the best podcast by the worst writers my name is leah and i am joined as always by my favorite co-host back apart on opposite ends of the coast
1: opposite ends of the room
0: (laughs) yeah i guess you're here Jesse and Jen, hey. hey, how
2: have you guys been? Good, good. How have you been, Jennifer?
0: I've how been was well. Was the
2: trip back from from San Francisco to the rainy the rainy days of Seattle?
3: <laughs> it was um, fine. I did. Did
1: you forget anything in San Francisco?
3: Well, my phone died, and so I couldn't call an Uber, and so I ended up sort of ish trapped. Um, could have taken the train.
1: Yeah, I've done done that too. I did that once when I flew into LAX and
2: I, my phone died and I had to just jump on. I like walked out of LAX, which is impossible to do. I got like really lost. And then I just jumped onto whatever bus was next. And I rode it till I saw a Starbucks and I got off the Starbucks. I have no idea where I was to this day. And I charged my phone
1: in the Starbucks, (laughs) called
2: it an Uber, which is great on top of, you know, 10 hours of travel. (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, and
0: to this day, every time we've gone to LAX, he's tried to figure out where he
3: got off, but he's it, never figured
0: out. I don't it even out. know
2: what neighborhoods are around there. Like, was it Marina Del Rey or something? You know what?
3: Called- I'm. This convinces me that you were actually, like, in some sort of limbo Starbucks. like what up, Ralph! Yeah. quantum <laughs> up, bro.
1: We're going to talk about adventures. <laughs>
2: <laughs> there was a lot of men playing, um, playing chess inside of the Starbucks, which I'd never seen before. Like, it was... It was like, it was like six tables of like full grown, normal looking guys playing chess. It was like when you watch those movies when they're they're in Central Park and they show a bunch of like men playing chess like on Sunday morning with huh. pigeons everywhere.
1: <laughs> pigeons in the Starbucks?
2: Yeah, they were playing chess themselves.
0: Gross. <laughs> Just the thought of that is
1: gross. They were, <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> Ooh. Anyways, Ooh. welcome to the Right <laughs> Yeah, the world's
0: premier writing podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so we took a couple weeks off because we were able to bank a couple of episodes while we were together. I was in
1: Inglewood. In- what? I was in Inglewood. I, I always think I am, but I wasn't sure. But I took the train to Inglewood. Sorry. The bus.
3: <laughs> Thank you for figuring that out for us, Jesse.
1: Cool. I got an Oprah chai. when they were doing that? Anyways. Oh, yeah.
3: <laughs> We made a couple of
0: episodes when we were up together in Humboldt. Where else were you in LA, Jesse?
1: That time? Who's L A X? Inglewood. hope no good. No good battery. I'm not interrupting.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So we were able to take a couple weeks off and now we're actually back recording as normal. And I think today we were gonna talk about what it's like to kind of reset your creativity and all the different forms that 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 that, that takes.
1: Yeah, because I'm going to tell you guys right now, it was
2: sure hard for me to pull myself together to even record tonight after three weeks of not doing it. Not because I didn't want to, but it's maybe an example of when taking a break goes too far. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> when you let it all go too much. Mm-hmm. So, kind of the easiest way to jump into this is what it's like to have to reset while you're writing. Like, while you're in the middle of doing something. What does it look like when you need to get up and stretch? What is, how can you even tell that that's the point you're at? Yeah. Other than that, the
3: words just look like gibberish. Yeah. And they always look like gibberish. (laughs) Haha. Anyway.
1: (laughs) Is that a (laughs) joke, (laughs) chick?
3: That I'm bad at writing.
2: I kinda of thought she was gonna pull out a forgot about Dre joke, <laughs> but she did it. Um,
1: <laughs> Jen, you have more
2: experience like with kind of not obligatory creative writing, so why don't you tell us what you what do you do when you know at the very least just when you need to stand up and, and stretch and when you need to stand up and leave the uh,
1: the piece alone.
3: Uh so there used to be a point in time where I do it pretty much whenever i felt like it and then i started to notice that i did it too much because sometimes writing starts to feel like work because it is and yeah, so it's hard yeah and so whenever i started to feel like work i'm like mm, this isn't a fun hobby anymore i'm going to stop which is fine if that's how you want to do it it is fine but i wanted to push myself past the point where i treated it like that and i like you know you know grinded i guess Mm-hmm. So, ground, I don't know <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> so I wanted to keep going past that point, so, what I started to do was um, just kind of schedule things uh like I would uh know that I needed to take the like seven thirty four bus, so until seven twenty four I would write, and so it's set times, and then the bus was like almost like the the trigger point, I guess, where I'd be like, okay, time for a break, and I can like relax while I'm on the bus home.
1: That's or something
2: like that yeah are you able to relax on the bus home i have a hard time sometimes doing that not because the bus is um uncomfortable but there's just something about being in transit that's not quite the same as being in your house or work spot and not working on something
3: uh i really love yeah. being on the bus because i can play mobile games yeah. <laughs> Hell Terrible. yeah! Uh, <laughs> another way that I've done it is just kind of notice when I start feeling irritated by the music I'm listening to. I listen oh. to like uh, movie scores pretty much only, but when they start to fucking irritate me and they're no longer like emotionally like motivating me, I'm like, oh, maybe I'm past the point of like doing this.
1: <laughs> That's interesting. I never thought of that, but that that definitely correlates for
2: when I'm getting tired of working on something. I never thought of that.
0: My tell is usually when my mental thesaurus kind of fails me, when I can't, when I find myself falling into a trap that I'm either saying the same thing over and over again or using the same words over and over again.
1: Yeah.
0: And if I'm writing a rough draft of something, like what we were trying to do with Nano, you know, that was such a hard thing to turn off because I want to polish as I go. Yeah. You know, Not that everything has to have a unique word for it, but you can tell that like, that repetitiveness because you're spinning out and it's different than repetitiveness because you're trying to create a flow or a point with it. Yeah, Mm
1: -hmm. Or you're just waiting.
0: And I have a hard time breaking out of that. So when I'm trying to write something that's a little more stream of consciousness or just trying to get it out and edit later, I always feel like I'm uh, really exhausted because those are usually the triggers of what I need to just take a break even though it's a different style of writing than kind of polishing as you go.
2: Yeah. I understand that. And that that's become a hard thing for me to notice because I have to write with the source open because I can never remember the word I want. I could always only remember adjacent words. So I always have to sort of work my way backwards to a word. Well But I do know what you mean. I'll 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 keep writing in the same I'll have a sent like four sentences in a row that are written in the same structure and it's not parallelism it's just
0: lazy not lazy it's just
2: no it is it's it's i have an idea to start in this sentence and then it It. i deal with running out of steam at the end of that sentence the same way three times in a row and you can kind of ignore it once but when you do it three or four times you can't really sink it anymore right um,
0: and the the mental thesaurus is not to say that like i have impeccable word choice because i don't i have to look things up in a thesaurus all the time
2: your word choice is over
0: it. yeah word choice and word choice is difficult because mm. it it can vary so widely depending on what you're writing. But if I don't have it, like if I don't even have an idea in my head that there should be a different word here or something sounding different here, if I'm just sort of getting into that slump where I'm like, all right, running, they're running, they ran fast. Like, and I can't even, it's, I'm not even challenging myself a little bit of like, well, what else could you be saying? What else? You know, then I know that I'm a little too mentally tired and I have to, to step away for a moment.
1: Yeah. I'm a big
0: stretcher. I'm not a, that's, I think that's the other thing is, you know, I'll get up and move around and stretch and try to sit back down into it. Yeah. Uh, I don't really take my mind away from it.
2: I don't think I've ever really learned how to do that correctly. Yeah, Because stretching and all that is good and all, but it, it never quite centers me the same way as something else would. Um,
1: yeah,
0: I do better if I can, if you know, if I happenstance the next track is a real banger, and I could be like, "Oh yeah," and like get back into it.
1: Well, the thing that helps
2: me, I think, is also the thing that has hurt me, and that's especially when I was living alone in a very small apartment. I could have the TV on and not see it and have it on mute. So then, when I needed to take a second, I could pull my desk chair back. I could see what was happening and watch it for all the ads or whatever, and then mute again and work on something um but that ultimately then just became me just watching the whole thing or falling asleep or, or
3: yeah anything. yeah i used to do that where i would turn on netflix and write at the same time don't really know why that was a good i thought that was a good idea never yeah. panned out
2: <laughs> well and then the helpful part was it was like i had the antenna hooked up so i didn't really have any uh control of what was on which helps but then also that not control of something on is when something's on that I want to watch then you know I have to watch it because it might not be on. again. Um, well,
0: and the other thing is you are a consumer of television, yeah. Like devouring shows, binge watching before there was binge watching. Yeah. You know, I I don't know how many times I called you and you're like I'm watching an old episode of, episode of Johnny Carson.
1: Yeah. Or I remember
2: one time really derailed my whole work week they had a weekend long
1: uh, marathon of get smart and it was just not an attempt to work um <laughs> so i've never seen that uh well,
2: um well
0: I, I so you'll be distracted but my point is you'll be distracted yeah. by anything we'll all be distracted well, then, by and anything and
2: then there's a little bit also that i had to learn how to overcome this a bit because the job before the job i have now I was writing a hundred percent of the day and a lot of that was, I got in there and they ex- they never worked with writers before and they expected us to do the same amount, have the same work not work ratio as a normal employee might, which I think typically would probably be what ninety ninety ten 90, 10 or 85, 15, where you're working 90% of the time and 10% of the time you're on the clock. You're not on your break, but you're doing, kind of idle stuff just because you kind of have to you know it's unrealistic to think that you're going to work 100 percent of the time which is it's normal and a good boss knows how to to deal with that in a correct way that where you're not just wasting time and it doesn't become a lot of time wasting the thing with writing that i've done a lot of research on and then also noticed it just in my real life is it's more like 75 25 uh like 75 like working and 25 percent off not working on the clock. And that's sometimes hard for people to get used to. And it was hard for me to get used to. So for a long time, I tried to just do 90% of the day, I'm working 10% I'm
1: not. And the whole thing was just writing. And so. Well, and when you were
0: writing, when you started that job, you were really just writing very basic descriptions and it didn't have a lot of- That never really changed, yeah. Well, you could type a lot of it very quickly. So then when it expanded even a little bit to require some you know, thought and creativity on your end, you just can't keep up the pace as if I could,
1: but it
2: it took its toll, you know, where I was exhausted at the end of the day, like I had worked a construction job. I couldn't think straight afterwards. It was one of those jobs too, where in a little bit because of the work environment, but a little bit because of the job, I was constantly looking at the clock and it was one of those things where, you know, 10 minutes felt like an hour Um, yeah do
3: you feel like you needed moments where you could just sort of think about what you're going to write because i feel like i would need that time to like plan that
2: yeah and so later on as i started to hire other writers and i was sort of managing them and seeing how they worked i kind of got it across to my managers and all those people that the ratio has to we have to be treated differently than the rest of the workers Um, and it's truly something i think you know You know, it's more 75-25. 25 25 probably is just goofing off together as the writers. Because that stuff's just... Because you get so inside your head that you need that little bit of not um, writing-related exteriority to get anything done. And I think that it's also a thing that maybe should be applied to, like, programmers. Because they're just doing mental-intensive things, you know?
1: Why not relax a little bit?
0: I will say that's why a lot of offices have gone to that, you know open concept no cubicles thing so at least it sort of lets some of that tension that stuff
2: out sucks and makes things more tense
3: well in a good environment with like a that's good a team culture
2: that's we want to put as many people in as small of room as we can we want to see all their screens so they feel like somebody's watching them so they work that,
1: that, that could
3: be that could be part of it too but i do think things like having like food available part of it is to keep people there longer and more comfortable at work. Um, Because you actually do become more productive, like in the Google environment, for example, or Valve. I don't know if you've heard that Valve is like a 100% um, flat across the board. They have no hierarchy in their office at all. No bosses. And uh, that increased- Is that where Half-Life 3 is?
2: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's also why you get like, you know, Google's diversity memos and you get like- uh, how in the gaming industry, there's no permanent employee and every all the bosses make a bajillion dollars and all the programmers get fired every six months. So well, yeah, and it the also
3: just create a culture of like hiring your friends who are like, they tend to be the same type of people as you. Yeah. So it ends up like a weird white dude nightmare.
2: And you have Blizzard employees that are expected to work 95 hours a week or whatever, you know, so. Yeah. Uh, but 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 back to that. So th- those are that's Okay, but learn. in
0: a but in a vacuum, in a perfect world, that's what sold to us is that that open concept where you can yeah. talk with your neighbor, you're not isolated. Mm-hmm. You know that sort of community, even if it's not strictly yeah productive work related, yeah. is beneficial to your mental health.
1: It just so quickly becomes like
2: the finance scene of a Ozu film, or like um. The banker's floor and like Mary Poppins, where it's just sad people at like desks just clicking shit. Like that doesn't change because now we have you know a, a nap room like, and
1: <laughs> free well, <curious>. yeah. <laughs> If only.
2: Um, but 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 those things of learning how to have to do it as a job and when to to take a break and when not to, what a break should be. Um, I think I had to learn really fast. And now I don't know. Did you learn? I don't know if I ever did, because I think I had to learn it in such a way that was in the wrong environment. Because there's no way that writing in an office like that is a nurturing environment. And it might be, but it wasn't for me. Mm -hmm. So it was almost learned out of fear. And then that parted, that paired up with grad school stuff where I wasn't working and the grad school method is just kind of never sleep and you're always working and you're never quite getting anything done and just you're kind of just pushing the needle a little bit every night but you're up until two every night the
1: only time you seem
0: to not be writing was when you were teaching yeah and that's not necessarily a creative break
1: but i will say that learning
2: being in the grad school where you're always spinning your wheels, or the way I did it, I was always spinning my wheels and never quite getting anything done until the last couple of days I had to do it. And I would push it out and I would try to try, best case scenario, use all of that up late research and all the crap I had done before that doesn't matter all as, as rough for the thing you finally do at the end, all for, you know research and learned experience and living within these texts and living within the stuff you're supposed to do and being able to push it out easier because you've kind of absorbed it a little bit into now I'm really receptive when I'm spinning my wheels because I was at a job where it would force me to spin my wheels the entire time because I was saying the same thing over and over and over and so now I feel like I'm really quick to notice I'm spinning my wheels when something just isn't coming together at all and then trying to either... I think a little bit of it, too, is that that also taught me how to come out of it at a different angle if I'm stuck. So having having to to write, so as a job, having being forced to do it, I had no option to go, like, I don't feel like writing today, it made me go, oh, I cannot get this fucking intro done. I'll go write the end. Or I, I can't figure out this thing in the middle. I'm going to go find my photographs I'm going to put in it, oh, I can't, you know, start, I can't finish it, I'm going to go back and proofread a different piece entirely, you know, so I think what it did teach me was those things where when I'm stuck and I need to be reset a little bit, just shifting to a different thing that's also work, but not the same work.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, that's good, switching between different things can actually provide a mental break, that's actually really clever and a good good advice.
2: And then, because now also, I think learning it that way, now when I'm at home and I'm not under any clock, if I walk away from a piece, I am
1: never coming back. <laughs> <laughs> like,
2: a lot of it's like, oh, I've, 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 read, I've written 200 words now. I should go see a movie. So, Which means I have to get ready, get on the bus, go to the movie, see the movie, get back on the bus, go back home, so it's like, my break for working for thirty minutes is a five hour break, <laughs> yeah yeah, no
0: you're never picking that back up again
2: <laughs> and and you know that's 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 a healthy one before it was, oh, you know what I've deserved I've written a paragraph, I should get like two or three beers. I should start mm-hmm. drinking because I've earned this, and, I'll, and you know what I'll continue to work after I start drinking, that's never distracted anybody, and then you know you're you're down a wiki hole or you're you're're you're, you know watching TV. Or you're, you're just done at that point, but it's... right, You know, a little bit of a break becomes a really big break when you have nothing but time.
1: You but know? even that, you know,
0: you would say that have to walk to the grocery store, buy beer, and then when you come back, you're not... The drinking aside, yeah. you've already left, so you don't want yeah. to necessarily sit down and return to the writing state of mind.
2: But there is a lot of times where I have had You know, just walking around, taking a lap around somewhere has been really helpful. That's what I do now at work, and my job has become more writing than it has been. And I always, pretty much always, no matter what, even if I don't want to, so I can walk to the library. It's within a couple blocks. I'll walk to the library, check the free book box they have in front of there and go back to work. And even if I don't want to, I've been making myself do that. And that deals a lot of the same way with, with kind of resetting my work day, but also I've been writing more and it resets. This, it's the same mechanism regardless of its, of its writing or if it's something else it feels like. And I think I've, I've learned that, how to reset that from having to reset writing.
0: Maybe. I think it's really interesting. I like listening to you talk about this sort of stuff because you know it's been such a long time since I've had to write under any sort of stakes other than the ones I set for myself and you're right, there is a lot of stuff with writing, with work that even if you're not writing for work if you have a hobby that means something to you you have to treat it like a job in a lot of respects and maybe not in the you have to approach it with the same seriousness or you have to you know dedicate 40 hours a week to it You know, not in that that sort of way but you have to approach it that you're going to put the same if not more because it's something you love, amount of energy into it as you would your day job. Yeah. And how do you how do you keep yourself from going crazy?
2: And I've not had that full-time writing gig for over a year. And I feel like not with Nano and not with anything else, that had not helped me get over it. But I think now finally now I feel like I've kind of Broken that a little bit and taken the good parts out of it, and kind of left some of the bad parts behind. Right. But a lot of that was being at a job now where I have to write a little bit. I have to write, you know, newsletters, just dumb office shit. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of the same lessons you could bring in, and a lot of the same lessons I can bring in. There's room to bring in lessons from my actual life as opposed to professional. Because when you're doing something, in my experience, that you yeah. enjoy doing as a hobby. It's not so much that I got sick of writing. You know, they say never, never make your hobby your job, right? Because um, you're not going to want to see how the sausage is made. And it's not how the sausage is made so much as much as the skills you have to learn to do it professionally are not the skills you use when you're doing with a hobby. Because you're a human, it's hard to keep those two things that operate the same mechanism separate. Because why would you? You know, why would you go? Oh, I'm writing at home now. I'm going to totally, my brain's going to totally shift and I'm going to be able to write like no one's watching. You're not going to because you've then spent most of your time writing like somebody has watching, Right. You know, if I was a loved ice cream, I don't think my issue would be if I became an ice cream tester that I'm tired of eating ice cream. It would be I go home and I eat ice cream and I'm thinking about, you know,
3: mouthfeel and, yeah, and flavor that balance.
0: That and...
2: stuff, yeah. It doesn't change the ice um... cream. That mechanism is the same. It's just,
3: I see what you're saying.
2: That's not conducive to to a personal enjoyment,
3: right?
0: Well, that's like me and my costumings. Every once in a while, I get people that ask, like, "Oh, well, do you want to do it professionally? Do you want to do it for theater?" And my answer has always been a oh, big resounding no, because well, I do think that I have quite a bit of skill in it. I put a lot of time and a lot of effort into it. If you would ever lift up my skirts. My hems are messy.
1: Lift you up your skirts. <laughs> And my
0: seams are 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 very rarely finished, and you know it's meant not just for the creation, but the experience of wearing it. And there are a lot of things that I tolerate on myself that really just bore me if I were doing it professionally and I had to make all of that look nice. Mm
1: -hmm. You
0: know, every once in a while, I will challenge myself to you know make it look good inside and out, but. If I had to do it that way, if I had to make sure that everything was perfectly polished, that's that takes time away from the part of it that I like.
1: Yeah, that makes sense.
0: You know, the puzzle of making all the pieces fit together.
1: Yeah.
2: Well, and then and then the 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 scenario changes so much too. Like when you're writing for yourself, you're writing for yourself. When you're writing for work, you're writing for a number of other audiences, and those audiences are not an audience you would want to read your own writing. And I don't just mean, you know, when I was working, I was writing for mostly rich people looking to buy rich stuff, which would not be the same audience as my other writing. But that's, that's, and that's one similarity or one difference. The other difference would be you are writing a story for readers, you're writing
1: ad copy for- Buyers.
2: Buyers, people that see it incidentally, you know, Managers of stores and stuff, so even if you were making a dress, you'd be making a dress for your manager, not for great, right.
3: not for yeah. me, and you know what I actually dealt with this different uh recently in a different way. um I used to create kind of like art journals and um kind of like scrapbooking almost not quite uh exactly like, chap- like
1: a like a zine
3: yeah, actually, that's really accurate. it was like a zine, but I would just do it for myself just for fun. And I've done it since I was like 16. I just make these journals and put like stickers and shit that I like find like receipts and dumb shit. Um, And I really love that kind of thing. And, you know, I would see really popular Instagrams that were like posting pages from their art journals. And I was like, wow, maybe I should start doing that because I do this all the time. So even just recently I was like creating pages and I'm like, Oh, this isn't good enough to be popular on Instagram. I should change this and change that. And it became burdensome and weird when I started changing what I was doing to be something that I thought would be more acceptable on like an Instagram art journal page. And I was just like, Mm -hmm. wait a minute. This is it was really strange to suddenly feel the difference in my perspective.
0: Oh, my gosh. I yeah, I feel that on such a a deep, deep level.
2: Does Does that not happen the moment we press record here? (laughs)
0: you know what i think it did for the sake of
2: just kind of radical transparency like
0: i think it did and i think it does i think the more we went on and the more we watched the metrics and saw that absolutely no one was listening to this except for like our like very close friends and family yeah but
2: also I, i also can also feel myself trying to remind myself to podcast like nobody's listening and i still can't and, I, and I'm not saying that to say that this podcast is is weird, but that's the same point
1: that, that Jen's bringing up. You know, it's just, yeah, and
3: I guess that's true. You're always thinking about your audience if you're doing something for an audience. So I don't necessarily no. think it's wrong to do that. No. Um, but I'm okay with that because I want a podcast for an audience, but I didn't really want an art journal for an audience. So yeah. that was what was different for me. Right. Well, and with the podcast, I will say that
0: it's... Like yes, there's always been an audience in mind, but I don't think we try to make something
1: for everybody. Well, it's a little bit of that too. If some, if so, a little bit of it is me going,
2: oh, technically nobody's listening, so I'm gonna podcast like nobody's listening. And in my mind, I'm like, that means you gotta buckle in for some real crazy shit, guys. And then I actually start doing it, and I'm like, oh, this isn't as crazy as I thought it was because I also do not want to do anything like that that's that crazy right <laughs> you know so a little bit of it's me becoming all right with podcasting like nobody's listening not being like this is some wild, dark shit that no one's gonna hear just being <laughs> we're
0: like, so edgy yeah cut your ears
2: <laughs> i don't know what the difference is but you know
0: well i mean look at our there was our flopped christmas story yeah because we had this idea and the setup of it was fun, and getting all the pieces together was the part we enjoyed. And then,
1: yeah,
0: the actual writing of it was hard. And part of podcasting like no one's listening. And <laughs> well, a little through. bit of
2: is, is too. If, if we were truly doing it like people are listening, we might not have had a hour long episode where eleven year old talks about Game of eleven year old seen Game
3: of Thrones. Yeah. I still think that that would happen because that's fucking amazing. But. <laughs> we
1: should have sold him more on uh, Liana Mormont.
3: Oh, oh yeah. yeah.
1: Um, spoilers.
0: Spoilers. Liana Mormont exists.
1: She good. She cool. She pretty cool. Yeah, I Do guess she's got about a career post-Game of Thrones? Yeah. I don't really
0: even say, I don't really want to
1: talk about Game of Thrones. That time. actress does voice work, though. She was in Hilda. Oh, that's right. It might be fun. I mean, she kind of reminds me of Brooklyn Decker and uh Brooklyn Decker. Brooklyn Brooklyn the the Little Girl from Florida project, like a movie. Oh. Um,
0: Brooklyn Heights? No. <laughs>
1: and oh shoot. What's the other child actor? She reminds me It doesn't matter
0: Yeah, I guess that's the thing. Elsie Fisher. Oh, uh, yeah. If we're going a podcast like no one's listening, I don't want to talk about Game of Thrones
3: on my podcast.
1: I don't wanna talk about Elsie Fisher then. Um, she's pretty good pretty good actress
3: well and for me I felt like when we're talking it feels pretty like authentic and just like how we talk normally so even if we are podcasting with you know <laughs> except for the mind, first it's...
1: couple of weeks where Jesse had <laughs> <laughs> tell me to turn off my retail voice yeah. <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> but then
2: again like to to our point too we have this 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 um perspective because we took three weeks off so we did step away from it
1: yeah that's true
2: you know so jen where there's a sweet spot i think of stepping away and getting some either out of your head with the work getting a new perspective and getting a new perspective i think it's a sweet spot between not having enough perspective and then having too much and then not ever picking it up again How do you avoid that where you, where you step away from it and never come back?
3: That's actually, um, that's been a problem for me too. Um, and for some of my projects, it's actually worked out well to take even year long breaks or longer years. There's a project that I have that I started years ago that I picked up again recently. And it's kind of nice to have a fresh view of it where I don't even remember certain characters or certain events. And I can look at them as if they're new to me, and that helps me think more critically about what I actually want to do in those scenes or with those characters. So it can be really powerful and good to do those things. If I return, if I never return, it does kind of feel like maybe the project was good for helping me grow, but maybe I also wasted time, and so I have to like figure that out. Have
0: to let a little bit of that go. I think that there are things that naturally. We have to leave behind. We can't take everything with
1: us.
3: Yeah, that's very, very true. Like And that's not a bad thing. thing Do
2: some of them just kind of nag at you, though? Or or, or is it all pretty much, if you don't think about
0: it, you're not worrying about it? So you've been watching me with my own fabric and stuff. I guess that it's departing from writing, but it is where my creative energy goes. You know, I spent uh, about a year and a half. Uh, before we moved into this apartment living with my parents where my machine was starting to break i didn't have any room to sew and i just was feeling so depressed i didn't want to Mm -hmm. and it was really easy in that moment to blame it on you know my best friend getting a different job and us not being able to cosplay together or you know my circumstances were just crummy so I'm just not going to do it. And I treated myself this year to a brand new, well, not brand new, but a new for me (laughs) machine. And I've been throwing away fabric that I've hoarded for years. I've been pulling things out of their boxes. And if I don't remember what they've been for, I've been throwing them away. They got left behind. They got forgotten about. They got left in the past. And if I continue like I was, to worry about what are the consequences of giving up on this yeah you know i don't get that freedom to try something new i don't you know i I joke about blaming a lot of it on my best friend but she doesn't like anime a lot like she she watches some of it but it's it's not like a thing she's passionate about like i am and so we don't do a lot of anime cosplay so now i'm free to do as i call it my anime bullshit Mm-hmm. I've already like made huge strides on a costume I talked about doing for a decade.
1: Yeah.
0: Um it hasn't even taken me that long. I did you know, I got so much farther on it in just a week than I thought I ever could. Yeah. So part of that is because I I got rid of and I let things go that were gone.
1: Yeah. I didn't
0: hold on to them. I didn't try to, you know, I didn't let them haunt me anymore.
2: See, that That's idea really good. That's is good. good, but I get, I go, I go, I take that to the next level where when I hear you saying that, you'll, you'll get rid of fabric. In my mind, if you were going to use it, you were going to use it and there's never not going to be more fabric in them. Right. Which is a freeing thought, but also when you apply it to other things, which I always do is I gave up on that writing piece, but you know, there's always going to be ideas. So it doesn't matter. And I, 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 have a hard time. I don't know if I've ever finished anything truly. Yeah. And not that I'm a perfectionist, just I've never seen anything through to its ending. I can't think of a time. So I'm <laughs> and not also, saying that there's I a. I love quitting things.
3: <laughs> well, you can. <laughs> take I'm, not saying, I'm
0: not saying there's no. You know, there, there will always be more fabric. There will always be another project. I'm saying that as a way to let go of things. That have already been left
1: behind. Yeah, you
0: know that is not an excuse for the thing I'm working on right now. That was yeah. not an
1: excuse for. Yeah, you,
2: you just know that if you went back and did finish the thing you got the fabric for, that your heart wouldn't be into it, and you'd just be doing it to do it, and there's no point in that. Maybe.
0: Right, I think it, there's it, a good the moment in which it was important was gone. Yeah. The most I can do now is give my energy right now to the thing, to the project, to the piece, to whatever. <laughs> Is important right now, mm-hmm. and really see that through. And I have problems with follow through too, because you know what? I love, love taking naps. Mm-hmm. I love getting absolutely like not even depressed, but just emotionally disconnected from everything, and taking a good long nap.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Just oh, wasted all day in bed. So there's a thousand reasons for me to give up on anything and to let it fall behind. Mm. But once I do that, I have to just let it go and I have to move on to the next thing. If it means I don't finish something, it means I don't finish something. But also, I don't know, I've I've done a couple of small projects since I got my sewing machine and those have kind of helped to create some momentum and remind me of the joy of finishing projects.
1: That's a good well, thing. Speaking, can, of,
3: yeah. speaking of joy, you could really just approach it like the KonMari method. Like, does it spark joy still? Yeah, no, that's <laughs> that,
0: mostly instead of the spark joy, it's do I remember what this was for? Yeah.
3: <laughs> and you can say thank you to it for whatever you might've been, you know, her whole thing about saying thanks to things that you once had and let it go and move on to the next. And so you could do that.
2: I do like your idea <laughs> of of busting out a few like easy ones just to get your momentum up, or or just to sort of reacclimate yourself to that without in such a way that's not challenging.
0: Right. I mean, we more? talked about the the Christmas rating. All three of us failed Nano. This year. Yeah. Or not failed. I guess there's no failing.
1: We didn't win.
0: Yeah. None of us won Nano. Yeah. So there was no so motivation to jump into the next writing challenge because, well, we didn't win. And Nano was had, hard. Yeah. And that's not to say that
1: we should have.
2: But hypothetically, won. had we thought this through, had we had started this month before Nano and we did the Christmas story in. October and had no stakes, and it was just us doing fun, having fun with it. We may have been some more successful at Nano, truly
0: right. we might have won, but I would have gotten past two thousand words
2: yeah, there's something about <laughs> about also step- not only stepping away but also shifting your attention, your just tired attention on something else just to knock the cobwebs up,
1: yeah
2: um, and and I mean that's what I used to tell uh-huh. my students we always had because I I always was the TA with the same teacher, and for every final paper he would have, he wanted you to do the paper, but also like a two-page or one-and-a-half-page paper just sort of reflecting on, like, how you went about writing the paper, Mm -hmm. or even just about kind of your scholastic journey in the class. And it was such a basic, like, you know, beginning, intro, whatever, whatever, that the kids kind of bullshitted the whole thing, and that was fine. They just did it, and that's the point. Right, but I would always tell them to put that off until the end of the 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 semester, and do that after not only after their big essay, but do it when they were like fucking exhausted and couldn't look at their essay ever again, but still had to finish it. Because then, just writing that two-page thing that didn't matter, right? You know, was enough to to work out those muscles in a way that had less importance on it, you know, that kind of juiced him up for the other part. I don't know how well that worked, but you know, that sort of stuff always kinda of worked for me. I don't do it now.
1: I think <laughs> like doing
3: like a hundred word shorts or something like that, or even just write like I've I've read that advice before, like just step outside of your book or your whatever and write from the perspective of a character, go into a cafe. Just something really basic, just to kind of get comfortable. And I actually have done that before and it has helped. And something i do specifically is i just write the lore of the world because i write fantasy a lot so i'll do sort of like world building exercises where i think about different cities or things like that or like different legends and i'll write those out and those won't be in the novel but they're fun to write
0: you still draw like even if you don't put that text directly in it is it something that you end up drawing on later or does it just sort of live in nowhere space
3: I have used it before, and I've also not used it, and it's just been there for me to know about. And sometimes I kind of like having something that's just mine. Have you ever
0: tweeted about it to tweeted. let us know after the fact?
3: <laughs> tweeted to the world about it? Yeah, to my <laughs> I think twenty-eight followers.
1: <laughs> What's the, what are you trying to say here, Leah?
3: Jk. Is
1: there a joke we're trying uh, to? Oh yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah,
3: yeah. I knew you were going there. I knew it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know what? I will make sure to do that. <laughs>
1: hey,
0: in case y'all were wondering, uh,
3: this was, this
0: is happening all
1: along. <laughs> you didn't know it. <laughs> you
0: didn't care about it, but you didn't know it. Now you know it.
1: hmm Sorry. Well,
2: that's what I always, when we were talking about fanfiction a couple months ago, that's what I always thought if I ever used fanfictions, I would use it for. would just be some sort of, you know, three-page thing that didn't matter that you could really just go hand on
3: yeah why not? well i actually used to think about if i ever did become published and had readers that things i wasn't allowed to publish in my book like maybe racy scenes or maybe scenes that got cut for time or you know what i'm you know what i mean um anything like that i could just publish as fan fiction secretly
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. oh my gosh <laughs> i wonder if anyone does that yeah, i, I wondered talking- too yeah oh my gosh Harry Styles fanfiction? Wait, do you think that E.L. James <laughs> has...
2: <laughs> Firstly, I'm hesitant to call her an author. Secondly, of course. <laughs> you, know, you know what she does? When she gets bored with her fanfiction, she writes a non-fanfiction novel that she puts out. That's the stuff that gets cut from the fanfiction. Did you guys look at that insane New York Times profile with her? No. It's Please tell us. so weird. I didn't make it through a lot of it. But she, like, I guess has all of these things that she refuses to talk about. Like what? Like, she won't talk about anything problematic in Fifty Shades. She won't talk about Twilight. She won't talk about how it's a fanfic. She won't talk about a lot of things. And her assistant is, like, very stern, and you have to, like, sign an NDA, and she's very mean about it. And then the moment you meet E.L. James, she's, like, (gasps) the bubbliest motherfucker ever. She's, like, Suki from Gilmore Girls. But there's all of this stuff beforehand that you have to go, and you can only interview her at her house. But when you get there, she like makes you cookies. You and know she what? Talks a lot about how she's like not a writer, how she doesn't like to write, but somehow she's just good at it, or popular, or something like that. Like it's, it's very strange.
3: Girl. You know what? Though I I support writers who receive like intense criticism, like she does. I support them setting boundaries really strictly, like. I don't think they're, they're boundaries in at that
2: point it. as much as she does not want to engage with the idea that she
1: might be wrong.
3: There's that too, and I know that Stephanie Meyer at one point, set really um, strict guidelines about conversations because she received a lot of criticism that was really harsh and cruel about Twilight, and so a lot of like letters sent to her would be filtered through I think her brother. And there was a point where people were really mad at her for not reading every letter that came her way, and it's like, dude, y'all are sometimes real fucking mean. I'd do the same shit she was doing.
0: (laughs) I guess, but there's a difference between the other thing. I wonder is it is that her, or is that the her publisher is trying to create a?
2: You know, the weird thing I learned about in that piece is that she creates all the all the cover art for her stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah, I could have guessed.
2: It's <laughs> just <She's> funny, too. <laughs> right. I, too, so, created
0: art for my fan fictions.
2: E.L. James is not like speaking to journalists she uh, who often want to know about things like if she has a sex dungeon in her basement. So she,
0: <laughs> well, yeah, I wouldn't want to answer
3: that either. Doesn't
1: like question. That's <laughs> fair, because that's like <laughs> that completely her. Never...
3: But you know what, even... though? I suppose it is different receiving, like, hate letters from fans or something, or anti-fans, haters. (laughs) That's different than a journalist asking in good faith a question, you know?
0: No, but as we've seen from every supercut of the red carpet ever, journalists don't ask good questions all the time.
2: Well, a lot of this article, too, is her going, like, they're meaner to me because I am a woman, so they say my pieces are devalued. And it's like, you know, in most situations, You'd be right, y'all, James. <laughs> In this situation, you're probably not right. You know, like it's
3: yeah, there's s- something to be said about that. Uh, that culture of like criticizing women and what they create pretty harshly. But she leans
2: on, she leans,
3: she's on, leaning uh, on it. Yeah, she's using
2: you know, it as like is- a story that's about sex and by a woman, and you're like oh, You're right, but this is not that book. <laughs> you know, like- right?
1: <laughs> I don't know. I think. <laughs>
2: You know, it's it's like Peter Fairley. He's like, "Oh, people don't like movies about race relations, so they don't like Green Book." We're well, really like, "It's not one we don't like. A lot of reasons why yeah. we don't like Green Book." Yeah, I yeah, yeah. We did this wrong. You know, it's it's Green Book is to race relations as E. L. James is to sex. You know,
0: I was about to say, but there is I, the only thing that will come to her defense in is there's a lot of writing out there that is yeah on the same level of problematic as hers, and it doesn't get the same.
2: That's the thing too, is her story about how her book came to popularity kind of is makes no sense. It's it's it was a very shrewd agent, saw that there was a place for a book like that to make money and they bought it for a lot of money and then just pushed pushed it and 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 pushed it. And it was, you know, just because that that was a agent with an idea who just did it.
1: Yeah. Right.
2: So it's also weird where she's like not really a career author who didn't really write a good book, but that didn't matter. Because the book right. was going kind to of be popular no matter what.
3: Because right. it was really had more to do with agents and traditional publishing than it did mm-hmm. with, you know, what was really genuinely going to be popular based on just let's say merit alone or something like that.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know right. That... And I think
3: she gets I I do
0: think that regardless of what you think her writing ability is and I mean, have we had an episode where we don't talk about e l James? That's true, you know, I think there is because it was a fan fiction because she is a woman, because she is writing smut, I think that we are conditioned to be incredibly unreceptive to everything she has to say
2: well and it it just it that's true it just it seems like a play to drag. Things to the center the middle it's like i've complained about with like marvel movies even when they're good they're not really good like in the realm of movies but you know endgame even if it wasn't good is going to make was going to make a billion dollars opening weekend regardless right even if none of us wanted to see it we were all going to see it these things are just compulsory and they're not good which then makes things makes it easier to make bad things and have it be not even bad to make nothing to make these things like Fifty Shades, which we've read worse.
0: So here's the thing with Fifty Shades, and it doesn't
1: Yeah, like like, like,
0: It doesn't excuse the obvious problematic issues with the book, but at the end of the day, E.L. James sat down to write fan fiction for a book she liked, and it got way bigger than that.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, I'm never... She was not trying to drag anyone to the center, trying to devalue art or anything like that. You know, you write fan fiction because you want to write fan fiction, not because you think, well, maybe now you do. But not at the time, not because you thought it was going to make you
2: money. I guess what I meant to say was the genre she wrote, and the, the audience she wrote for are always devalued.
1: Yes. But that does not
2: mean that the things they need to get sold to them should be bad. And I think that book set a precedent of, oh, you don't have to try you just have to sell it. Which I think is false.
0: But it, that wasn't
2: It's why, you know, you don't see romantic comedies made anymore either.
0: But yeah, that wasn't said her, that was bad. Her her goal as an author just to get it published. She didn't write it to get it published.
1: Yeah.
0: It was written just to be out there on the internet for
2: free. I mean this is my argument about Harry Potter, which was written just to get published, but you know, no one wants to listen to that conversation. I don't want to have that conversation because saying Harry Potter is heartless isn't and a bit cold is a, a dumb conversation.
0: Yeah. Anyways, I think even before we <laughs> retire Sabrina, we might need to retire Fifty Shades.
2: We gotta read The Mister first, though, right? Jen, you ready yet? No, what the fuck's that? It's her new book. She has a new book? <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised we didn't have a special episode about it. We could have a special
0: episode about it's it. It's called The
2: Mister. Uh, if you thought... That reading just the description made you feel uncomfortable. You were right. <laughs> Wait.
3: Well, you know what? That's how we can retire Fifty Shades is read the mister, talk about it, and then E.L. James is banned. No, not banned. Retired banned.
1: Banned. <laughs> cancelled.
3: <laughs> Sent to the hall of uh, uh, the Sweaty Hall. I don't know. What are we calling it?
1: Sweaty Hall. The sweat the Lodge.
3: Hall. The sweat
0: Lodge.
1: Yeah. Yes. I heard of the Sweat Lodge. We cancelled <laughs> uh, I'm trying to find a description of it. The you,
2: you know what I did like um that came out of Fifty Shades was I like that movie Book Club.
3: <laughs> I wanted to see that so bad. Was it good?
2: It is it's so on that line of very good or like the worst thing imaginable. Which oh, is
0: her favorite spot to live. Dude, that's like my favorite. In-
2: I like all the actors in it. There's a lot of funny stuff. There's a couple funny like visual gags. Craig T Nelson takes a bunch of Viagra at one point, and he stubs his boner on a door, which is really funny.
3: That's really dumb. i have talked about <laughs>
2: that before on this.
3: I yeah, I think you have.
2: Um, there's some great stuff in it. Uh, let's see here. Um, I don't know. It's it's about the Mister, though. Her new book is about uh, some sort of help at a manner. Fucking the the
1: Lord of the Manor or something.
0: Oh, I thought you were gonna say someone was having um sex in the produce section of the grocery store when the water <laughs> came on.
2: The mister. Oh yeah, it makes a little fake thunder sound. Um, <laughs> Good one. And, and I believe that maybe she doesn't speak English. No. Like she speaks like Czechian or something, and they're in like an English manner, and he speaks English or something.
3: You know that's such a trope too of like um, smutty novels is just the the lord and the maid servant. Woo.
2: It was originally titled "Casual Vacancy" too. Still, it's still still vacant. Down Abbey, getting dirty. Pulling well, the search for money. What's the, the space balls? Yeah, the search
3: for more money. Yeah. Upstairs, downstairs. I
2: was about
1: to pieces. say, I
2: thought
3: you were gonna go a
0: totally different direction <laughs> with a casual vacancy. Which was that? Like casual vacancy between my legs. Oh yeah. Leah Beachy, that's way better. You don't read enough smut, babe.
1: Did we ever read Casual Vacancy? I think read the like first paragraph the first paragraph the first section. It
0: So it, wait, is is read? Mr. available now?
1: Yeah, I think it came out like last week.
3: All right, time to take a trip to Target and buy it right off the.
2: <laughs> I think we should read it and talk about it, but it's 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 long, right?
1: It's a novel length book. I we'll love to chunk it up a little bit.
0: I was about to say it. Um, if we do something different next week when I get back from my work trip, I'll have had ten hours on a plane to read it.
1: Oh,
2: I'm oh, sure man. you will it's... not be the only one of your coworkers to have read it.
3: Oh, I'm sure. It's really cheap. Yeah, it is eight dollars. Oh yeah, we're I mean, doing this. That's, I'm that's, reading this.
2: Was that not the the secret to Fifty Shades Success before that? Because it, it was such a cheap thing, and you didn't have to pay the author anything, and she made her own cover art, and the pages were like made of weird material, and it was all digital that everyone could buy a copy for six dollars. Probably. You know? Because it's not like a Stephen King novel where it's 700 pages and it costs $22 and you yeah. gotta wait for nine months for it to be out in softback.
3: You know. Yeah, and I, I actually don't like buying hardback novels.
2: I don't either. Hardcover. I, I too um, so do we have any other thoughts on on uh, resetting our creative um, creative juices?
1: I guess
0: my one question for everyone is...
2: You that juice tank?
0: Did a... Go into
2: the fridge and get
1: in a Capri sun and pop in my packet.
3: One of the cold ones, a Capri
0: Sun.
1: Sorry, I'm sorry.
3: I hate both
0: of you so much. No, did did our night in the water tower work? Did getting away and and being in the quiet wilderness in a fancy fucking Airbnb? Do we do we feel better about
3: our podcasting or our writing or any of that? I feel better about my general mental state.
1: I think
2: that's yes. the important part. Yeah, <laughs> I could have used another night, truly, but that was that's that could be said by anything.
3: Yeah, yeah, I, I think yeah. it was just nice to like for for me as a human being. And if you're feeling better as a person, just mentally stronger, that will bleed into everything that you do.
1: I yeah.
0: think that the, we kind of talked about Jesse and I talked about this before we even went. You know, sometimes when you go to visit family. You have like your vacation hangover when you get home where like there was no time to to debrief your family stress and there was no time to readjust to going back to the real world. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what that so whether or not it's in a fancy Airbnb or a shitty motel or just like an extra day at home, you know, it was just something to kind of let everything settle into its right place before you get back to
1: it.
3: Yeah, I think from now on any trip I take, I want at least a day where I'm at home alone or something so I can like unpack and rest and mentally prepare for the oh, burden if you of think work. <laughs> unpacked,
0: we still have not.
3: Oh, yeah, I only I recently <laughs> opened my backpack and I'm like, "Oh, I still have my stuff from traveling in here." Oh my mm. goodness.
0: <laughs> so then on top of that, I think when it ta- when we talk about resetting and you know, did we recharge for the podcast? I I was ready when we started this episode to say no, and that it didn't work, yeah, and that we took too much time off, and that I like I've been dragging my feet as well about mm-hmm. getting to record this, yeah I feel ready to record again next week more now more than I did. well, that's ready to record this episode
1: that's a part of
2: in my mind too of the going back to your creative stuff is. You can take a break and you can maybe walk away from something because, you know, it's meant to be or give up on something and not realize it because you're supposed to or or whatever. But there's also most things you kind of just have to force yourself to go back to. Right. You know. Yeah.
1: Because if you
3: get into a routine of taking a break, that becomes your routine instead of doing what you want to do, you know. Yeah. But if so we you had... have to make it your routine, if we
0: had stopped, if we had not. Mustered the, the will to turn on Craig and and get recording today, you know I would not have felt bad about what we put out.
1: Yeah, that's true, Tony. You can you
2: can't beat yourself up too much for, for walking away from something unless it is something you truly want to be
0: right. And I believe that because in one way or another, this is something that we all want to be doing and enjoy doing. That's why even though we were all dragging our feet we sat down and we're
1: here tonight. Yeah, But if yeah. we let
0: that go, you know, we we made something. That's a good point as well. guys. Mm-hmm. We made a podcast together.
1: We
2: did. it. It's only 20, 23 episodes now. And that's, that's almost a uh, half a year. Yeah, like I
3: actually, we did, like I did create something. That actually makes me feel way better because sometimes I'll get down on myself for not <laughs> being more productive and it's like, A very american or western thing to be really obsessed with productivity and i don't know i guess it's we're doing more than i'm giving myself credit for we're doing something that most people are only listening to
1: do we want (laughs) to
3: that's me i'm a listener of podcasts
2: Do we want a lightning round? uh, What's making us sweat just because we haven't done it in uh, two
3: months? Yeah. Yes, I do. I have something that's making me sweat a lot.
2: Well, (laughs) it wouldn't be uh, what's making you sweat if I didn't make Django first. So, Django first. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
3: I don't go first most of the time. Uh, Do I? Anyway. All (laughs) right. (laughs) Uh, Well, you know what? I'm happy to open the gate. All right. So, I'm so excited. Open the gates. Gates.
2: Open the gates.
3: Blood gates. Speaking of, like, Re- restarting and being refreshed and creatively excited and all of those things something happened for me that was a magical started reading fucking webtoon okay like web line webtoons which are just like web comics and it's just a it's like you know produced by lot anyway
2: um wait no wait start from the beginning I said a lot of words i don't understand am i too old or do i not know what that is
3: so Line Webtoons is like a, it's an app on your phone or a website. It's, it's just web comics that you can read on your phone. Oh. Um, and I, I had a friend pushing me to read them and I was like, ah, I'm kind of like not into that kind of thing, but I did it anyways. And I'm fucking in love. And I used to want to go ahead.
2: Is it still like great, like internet one stuff? Like stuff we looked at when we were 12 or has it really changed? There's,
3: there's some stuff on there, you know. Uh, like that Adam Ellis guy—is that his name? The Adam. So the yeah. Buzzfeed guy. That Buzzfeed guy, Adam. yeah. <laughs> don't be mean. Um, that guy's on there, right? I haven't read his stuff, or is he on there? I don't know.
0: Are the
2: um are the di- the dinosaur comics still there?
3: I don't think they're on there, but there's the
2: other dinosaur? just generally like you know, highly
3: recognizable.
2: Jen, you know the dinosaur
1: comics.
3: Yeah, right? yeah, I do. Like the. It's just
2: this these two panels of two clip art dinosaurs and they the, the, the it doesn't change and just the dinosaur says one thing and the one panel and the second dinosaur says something else and it was like full on like internet one like really funny shit like early twitter or is Akewood on there?
3: I don't know what that is but one
2: of the, the,
1: the there's
3: things. there's some things on there that are recognized we read very different web comics there's <laughs> something
1: the I'll show them to you later
3: um sorry. anyway, sorry. Uh so yeah, there's some stuff on there you might recognize from just like Instagram or something. But there's also stories I would never have found, like straight up full on comedies or full on dramas, full on romances, like everything. Straight up just entire like novel length graphic novel length comics that I'm like mm-hmm. reading and it's I'm super impressed. And when I was in high school I used to wanna to write a comic and I kinda of moved on from that because I stopped being um obsessed with anime. <laughs> <laughs> <Lies>. But <laughs> now I'm only half a weeb. Anyways, so in my adulthood now, I'm she really motivated to that drama. That's true. I guess, I don't know. Like I,
1: you know? That... Anyway, it's,
3: it's like not weeaboo. It's called, what are you called when you're into Korean stuff? Koreaboo. All right. So that's oh, but, that true. Uh, yeah, it is. And then teaaboo for people who are obsessed with tea, or I mean, England. <laughs> Anyway. Uh so I got excited to write a comic again, which I have not felt since I was like fifteen or fourteen. So it's really fun to have like something that's motivating me to think about stories again creatively. Things that I dropped and gave up on are suddenly like coming back to my mind, like, oh, that'd be really fun to explore as a comic instead of writing it. It's Mm. really fun and I really highly recommend reading some webtoons if you have ever thought about maybe reading a different kind of comic than than
2: Marvel.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's fun.
2: That is a lot
1: of fun. Do you want to go amigo? You
2: So I guess I have, I have one and then I have, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go two really fast. One's when well, I'm actually doing two fits into Jen's thing, if we're going to talk a little bit about discovering something that's sort of changing our, our writing. Uh, one is I'm playing Stardew Valley.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, has Jesse? Become a true farm boy. For those that don't know
2: that game, it is a very kind of slight, quiet game about farming. Um, I love it. I love how uncomplicated it is. I like being able to kind of just come home and go and live in this world that's fairly immersive in its simplicity. Um, Like your whole day is kind of set up for you. You can do a lot of different things, but you get tired, you gotta go sleep, you gotta do your chores. It's... It's fun and, and there's sort of an overarching plot that like your character used to work in like a call center at home and then one day his grandpa was like that he doesn't know was like, Do you want my farm? And he was so like mad about living in the modern world that he goes to the farm. Or they go to the <laughs> farm. Um and so that that's fun and it's just it's kinda like Animal Crossing, but a little less twee. Yeah, but
0: without fucking Tom Nook.
2: Yeah, it's a little less twee without Tom Nook and there's not like I was talking with somebody with a friend online and he said that he likes Animal Crossing because it's a a second in the real world is a second Animal Crossing. So if you don't play Animal Crossing for like a week, you go on and there's like a a week of mail and there's a week of, you know, things backed up on your around, you know, there's a week of things falling off the tree and Stardew Valley. It's not like that, which I I like both those things. So that one's really fun. Uh, Secondly, I started reading the, Game book for Monster of the Week, which is a uh RPG. No. What do you yep. call those things?
0: No, it's a role playing game. It's a tabletop role playing game.
2: You know, d and D type thing about Monster of the Week. It it takes like Monster of the Week like TV shows like Supernatural or Buffy and kind of applies a uh role playing to that. Which is fun. Um it's a little bit more um convinced like really more into combat and i don't really care for that so much but it's also really into like just putting together an episode for your players to play through so opening act um instigating event act one act two finale but you can't write the whole thing through because it does have to be a little bit of the players making choices so you have to create these worlds and this like town and characters and then also like a season arc so, like, they might be able to solve the mystery of the one monster in two or three hours, but if you play five or six games, then they see a larger conspiracy going on and then, you know, ultimately, four later, you can have a season finale if you really want to, where they fight, you know, the big boss that's been controlling everything, and then at the end of it, you go, and, and then here's what happened, and put a little, you know, tag on it. So... I haven't run one yet, but it really is a kind of a fun way to channel a lot of those ideas that I've had just from watching T V so compulsively for so long and being into story I don't like supernatural stories so much, but I do like like parts of the X Files and I like I like Veronica Mars, which I know is not the same. I like Lost and I like Twin Peaks and so there's a little bit of being able to to put together sort of a spooky game with a or spooky story with the more character based stories and also like I'm not in control of the characters. So.
1: Which is fulfilling
0: my lifelong dream <laughs> of finally being able to play a role playing game again because my boyfriend who doesn't <laughs> like playing them is just going to run them for us. Yeah. I am amped.
2: It's a bit of a cheat that like oh I found the one where I like I write I write a TV show and you guys play it but you know.
0: Why not? <laughs> That was hey, you incredible. know if it works it's Monster Hearts, and it's based off the same apocalypse system because i in the same way that i love teen dramas and fan fiction it was basically like asking my friends to cooperate in a group fan fiction i could write yeah you just gotta you have it's all about finding the the setting that makes you excited yeah and, you
2: know. and so there's a lot of ideas that i've always just had just from watching tv forever that i'm starting to like slot into something that we can actually put together. And it's not a story. Right. But it is something, and it's a bit more ephemeral, too. Like, we're going to do it, and it's going to be done. So, end of project. I, I completed something. So
3: That's yeah. really fun. Yeah, that I'm, I'm kind of jealous, and I'm sad that I'm not near enough to participate. That's what I
2: was thinking. We can have you play over over Discord. Yeah.
3: That'll
1: be there, Charlie. You got Leah.
0: So... It's sewing, but I'm.
1: Well, I'm, firstly, I wanna I
2: wanna interrupt Leah, and I want I want everyone to know she now wears glasses.
1: <laughs> I do. So she
2: can see things and read now.
1: I can see things
0: and I can read now.
2: Before she was just pretending.
0: I can see signs on the road, and I don't have to ask Jesse what that street is coming up. That's, That's probably the, safer and better. Right? I'm
3: happy about that. By
0: the way, you were driving around with me for a whole week when I could. Barely see streets, us. <laughs> nice. You fooled me well. Thank you. Thank you. Anyway, so it's, it's so Base. So, we, I went with some friends this last weekend to the Renaissance Fair up in Irwindale. And I haven't been to a Renaissance Fair in like real garb in years. We went in October, but I kind of just threw stuff together in my closet. And I've been saying for so long that. You know, I want something new to wear to the Renaissance Fair. I don't want to just have a peasant costume. I don't want to look like a pirate lady. Like, I want to start making something that's slightly more, you know, historically based and, you know, specifically for Ren fair. And I did. Mm -hmm. I actually, I have a, um, the three basic parts for a Flemish working woman's outfit. I have my shift, my kirtle, and then my outer ape, my outer dress. And I can add pieces onto that as I wish. But the basic piece of it is done. It's hemmed. It's wearable. I wore it out. It fit great. Um mm-hmm. takes a, another person to get into, but that's fine. Mm-hmm. And so I'm really excited because I, I was able to get that win. I was able to get that joy of completion and wearing it. So now I can finish and I'm sweating my... Son from Princess Mononoke cosplay that I've talked about doing for decades, and now, I'm actually making serious progress on.
2: Can I make a um, a pitch for your son? One?
1: Sure. Put a red wig on above it, and then like a little chain on front. And it would be Sansa from Game of Thrones.
3: What is with her chain?
1: I do not get that either.
2: That's what the, like the smart guys get, right? Like the priests. Does that mean she knows like a lot about
1: alchemy?
0: No, not necessarily.
1: It seems like a sex thing. I don't like it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but you'd be totally wrong if I wasn't going to play wolf girl with wolf girl when our friend who cosplay Sansa gets back.
1: I'm not anyway, that's yeah,
0: Anyway, that's what I'm sweating.
1: That's a pretty good one.
0: I'm feeling pumped, you guys. I feel good. This feels right. i sure they miss you.
2: <laughs> I'm surprised that we made it through the weekend still having uh, any creative energy considering we went in game Spider Verse and then that fucking two hour Game
1: of Thrones episode. Yeah, that to was be, a lot. Kind of beat down by pop culture this weekend. So.
3: Yeah, and everyone's so. comparing Endgame to. Um, the Battle of Winterfell—it's very interesting.
2: Well, why? Oh, oh just because they both watched it in the same weekend.
3: Yeah.
0: You know that fucking a-
2: thing I always do all the time, where I try to compare two desperate pop culture things because I experience them near each other.
0: Yeah, I guess.
2: This is, but this is like apples and apples. Avengers and Game of Thrones—two average things that we all.
3: Two watch. cultural would icons. You, would you all say the that, that end Endgame is a comic? <laughs>
2: Do you want to get in that conversation? No,
3: <laughs> next week, guys, next week. You look forward to us reading the crazy mystery crazy
2: and game of Thrones discussing end ga- game. game sitcom? I have a, a whole argument for
0: that. No, All sitcom right. is different than a comedy. You've switched your argument. You
2: I think well, yeah, because last week's episode where it was just a bunch of talking inside of rooms, now it's a sitcom, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, I'm done.
0: Alright, because <laughs> of the end of the episode.
2: See
1: you next week, guys. Nope, I'm, you're going to cut that. I'm just <laughs>